Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'gfiruh. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina min sayyati amalina. Man yahdihillah falamudillalah. Wa man yudlil falantajidalahu waliyan murshida. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadul qahhar. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala guides there is none that can misguide him And he whom Allah tabarak wa ta'ala leads astray there is none that can guide him Except through the will and permission of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala alone And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashimi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah, fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam, do not die except that you are Muslims. رَبِّ شْرَحْ لِي صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَأَحْلُ الْعُقْلَةً مِّنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 21 of our reading of At-Tafsir. But before we get into our reading today, there is something that we need to make note of, which is the time that we are in today. The time that has just entered, actually technically we're into the second day now, because يعني, the days of the Islamic calendar goes on after Maghrib. So yesterday, يعني, yesterday after Maghrib, was the beginning of the month of Dhul Hijjah, a sacred month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we got the confirmation very early this morning, يعني, around Fajr, uh, just before Fajr. Uh, and Alhamdulillah, through the sighting of the moon, the month entered. Now, something that we need to make note of is that we can't just go on and pretend that nothing's happened. You know what I mean? Like just rock up, just go for the dust and then rock out as if nothing has changed. My brothers and sisters, something that is important to note is that this is the best days of the year. These 10 days, the best days of the year. Yani Sheikh ibn Uthaymeen rahimahullah, he mentioned something beautiful. He says that if someone were to pray two raka'at in Ramadan and two raka'at in these 10 days, in the days, not at night, which one's better? Bro, it's Ramadan, what's wrong with you? What about Ramadan? Huh? The nights of Ramadan are better than the nights of Dhul Hijjah. Whereas the days of Dhul Hijjah are better than the days of Ramadan. So if someone was to pray two raka'at in Ramadan, in the days of Ramadan, and two raka'at in the days of Dhul Hijjah, the two raka'at that he would pray in Dhul Hijjah would be better in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're telling me that you used to go through all these harakat, try to prepare for Ramadan six months, seven months before, inshallah, ya Rab. Six months before Ramadan and you're doing all of these things to prepare for Ramadan and then the best days of the year comes and it's supposed to be right after Ramadan when you're supposed to be spiritually recharged. It's supposed to be a time where you're just coming off a peak of worship. So you should be going into this and you're already cleansed because of Ramadan. But now the hijjah has come and nothing. Poof, just gone. <laughs> No change whatsoever. Now my brothers and sisters, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says as narrated by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, that there are no days in which good deeds are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No days. al-itlaq. There are no days. Ever. There are no days that are better 
to do righteous and good deeds than what? These ten days. This is Kalam al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now something that is important is that others like Hafiz ibn Kathir and uh, Ibn Rajab and others have mentioned that these ten days are better than all of the other days of the year with no exceptions. Not even the last ten days of Ramadan, but the last ten nights of Ramadan are better. However, these ten days are better than the days of Ramadan. Now, something that is important to note is that we have a few mentions of this in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, By the dawn, by the ten nights. Now, the scholars of tafsir like Ibn Abbas, Ibn Zubair, uh, and others from the Salaf and the Khalaf have stated that it is these ten, the ones that we are upon right now. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by it, making it something that is, you need to understand is a big deal. It's not something small. It is something that is great and beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a sacred month. Something you have to understand that Ramadan is not a sacred month. Right? It's not one of the four sacred months that we have. So this is the best 10 days in a sacred month, which means that this is a time that you try to exert yourself in a way that you have never done before, inshallah. In a way that you would go harder than how you would in Ramadan. Now these are some days, wallahi, a mahjura. They're days that are forgotten by the people. These are days that not many people take into account. Not many people are even talking about these days that we're in. It's something that's just another day. Yeah, okay, people went to Hajj, it's their business. <laughs> I couldn't afford it, it's 20, 27 grand, what do you want me to do? <laughs> couldn't go to Hajj this year, it's not my fault. Right? So Dhul Hijjah is only for those who go Hajj? No, 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 it's a sacred month. Right? And subhanAllah, one of the greatest things that yani, this, these 10 days has is the ninth day, which is what? The day of Arafah. Which the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam states is an expiation of two years of sin. Two years of sin. One day. Fast one day. Two years of sin wiped away. You go through all of this mushkila, all of this drama. right? You make it something that it's so important to you. People like challenging each other to fast Ramadan. And then the six days after Ramadan. right? It's something that's very good. I'm not saying that it's not good. I'm not trying to belittle it. But I'm saying one day over here is equivalent to two years of sins wiped away. Whereas Ramadan and the six days after it is for what? The fasting of an entire year. But over here you get the reward of two years. Sins wiped away. To me it's like a no-brainer. No you know what I mean? Like this is something that everyone should try to continuously try to exert themselves on these days. Now, another thing that is mentioned is that this is a time of an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says continue striving in at tasbih wa tahmid wa takbir and this is saying subhanallah walhamdulillah wallahu akbar and there is another narration of the hadith of Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says that these are the best ten days of the year and that there are no deeds that are more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than in these 10 days. And then he ends it, this hadith. He says, so then recite a great deal of at-tahleel. La ilaha illallah, at-takbir and at-tahmeed, which is Allahu Akbar and alhamdulillah. Now, subhanallah, after the day of Arafah is what is considered the best 
day of the year. So these are the, the best ten, yes, are the best ten days. But then in it is the best day. Subhanallah. What's the best day of the year? Yawm al-Nahar. The day of sacrifice. Which is also called Eid al-Adha. It's the day of Eid. The first day of Eid. Now this is considered, my brothers and sisters, the best day of the year. The, the best day. And you haven't heard of it. Yawm al-Nahar. What's that? The best day of the year. Now this Eid is like the other Eid. Right? It's the not not the fancy Eid. I haven't been looking forward to this Eid for 30, 30 days. You know what I mean? It's just it's the other Eid that comes two weeks after, two months after Ramadan. Yani we don't even give gifts on this one. It's the other Eid, right? Yes. Have you, did you get anyone gifts on this Eid or not? Has anyone? That's what I'm saying. This Eid is the other Eid, but this is more important. This is the best day of the year. This is the best day of the year. Which means what? It's better by default than the other Eid. And subhanAllah, the most beloved action to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day is what? Slaughtering. Slaughtering. My good man. Now, the Qurban, my brothers and sisters, is not meant to be a general donation. Not meant to be that you go give 200 bucks to or 250 bucks, 310, 320. Like that, I don't know. How much is it going for now? 190. 190. So, finding the best type of sheep is something that is good. But you just gave 230 bucks. You just gave 190 bucks. 170 apparently soon. Right? Someone's going to go start belting down. Right? I can take you to Bangladesh. It'll be half price. Now, my brothers and sisters, something that is important to note is that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam slaughtered himself. He slaughtered himself. And he ate from what he slaughtered. He ate from what he slaughtered. Now, the general position of the fuqaha is that that is the best thing that you can do. The best thing that you can do is you slaughter your own sheep or your own sacrifice from the camel or the cow, what have you, and you eat from it. And for the person who's unable to slaughter, then to eat from his own qurban is something that is very, very recommended. This is from the sunnah of the Prophet Right? This is from the sunnah. That you eat from your own qurban. How do you eat that 230 bucks that went to Romania? Oh, because of, you know. No? Too late, boys. Too late. Too late. How did you eat from that $230 that went overseas? You didn't, because you made it into a general general sacrifice. Now, from the Qurban itself, a portion, the scholars have stated, is to be given away as a gift. A third of it, some of them have said, put, يعني, do it in thirds. A third of it, you give away as a gift. A third of it, you give in sadaqah. 
and a third of it you keep with yourself to eat from. And on the day you should eat. On the day itself, you should eat. But we live in Australia, you can't just you can't just take a bunch of sheep, you know what I mean? It's in your backyards, everyone will become a slaughterman. <laughs> just thinking about green acre just covered in blood. <laughs> now, my brothers and sisters. If that someone takes that snippet, you know what I mean? Astaghfirullah, that's how I'm in habas for the next 10 years. Now, <laughs> now the next, yeah, something that's important, my brothers and sisters, is that, okay, you can't do it, right? You can't go and slaughter yourself. You've never held a knife in your hand. You don't know how to slaughter. You don't know where to find the sheep that's actually alive. You just, you know, what do you do? Can you just go to Coles and be like, I want 14 kilos of a sheep? Like, you can't really do that, right? What do you have to do? So the best option after is then you go to a butchery, right? An actual butcher. Yeah, do this. Do this is actually going in steps, right? And find a place that will give you your qurban. Now, what I mean by this is that usually the butchers, what they do is that they will do all the qurban, but then they'll cut it all up, right? They'll put it in dices. They'll put it in cubes. And anyone who comes, I'll be like, 14 kilos, yalla. 14 kilos, yalla. 14 kilos is yours. But they won't give you your qurban. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he did his surah, one of the years he did over 50, 50 sheep. One of the years, in the last time, in, in, from Hajj, in Hajj, he did over 50 sheep. Right? But what he did was he ordered that meat be taken from each of them and be put in one vessel and be cooked together. So imagine specifically going and taking from 50 different sheep. And then what he would do, because he can't still eat 50 pieces of meat, he drank from the water that was there, after when he was started to cook. The, the soup from the, what came out, right? He drank from it, يعني, as if he took from 50 of the sheep. Subhanallah, that's how much he would go into ensuring that he would eat from his own qurban, from his own sacrifice. So now, if you can't get a place that they give you your own qurban, then you go down and you try what to find a place that will do a qurban for you. And then you have the places, the donation places. But there's like all these steps before you go down there. So make sure that you're not just av- avoiding the qurban. That you just because you don't like the taste of liver, khalas, you don't have to ever see it in your life. Do you like liver? He's desi, bro. He's, he's, in, he's Indian, that's why. Fijian Indians, bro. They love, they love it. Is uh, liver a big thing for you? You yeah? Huh? It's called soulmate. He's got <laughs> the souls there, huh? No, no, no. It's called soulmate. Oh, I'm thinking, what's this what's like? Do you just put the salt on it and the khalas? No. Oh, he's got harakat, though. Okay. <laughs> so, this Eid, my brothers, if you can try to get your own qurban, try it. Genuinely, brothers, try it. And it's a beautiful experience giving people meat. I know it sounds weird, like you rock up to a guy with a bloody bag. <laughs> give, give it as a gift, right? To your family, friends, and, and, and family. And also find those, wallahi, there are people who don't have meat on a day-to-day basis. Families that are struggling, wallahi, they exist. You'd be surprised. And this helps you, what? Find people that are desperate in need. And that you can help them. And this is going to be what Qurban should be about. Where it's like you're helping people locally. And then it, يعني, it's a benefit that you can see. And you see the barakah of what you have. And you see the barakah of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you. And there's so many benefits to it. But you'll never know if you don't do a Qurban. You'll never know. So yes, I would even suggest if someone wants to. 
do a qurban over there and do a qurban locally. Go give your sadaqah that you want to do. Make that all completely lillah. Right? All of it is a sadaqah, no problems. Do it. But I would say, take some and go and do one for yourself and then spread that out and have some for yourself and have more than one. Because a person can have more than one qurban. It's not that you become tight and khalas, you just did one, I can never do it again. That's it, that's done, it's mine. Right? No, you can do more than one qurban. Now the person who's intending on, ta- on doing the qurban, something that is important is that he does not take from his hair or his nails. You don't get that before Eid trim. No fades here, because fades aslan haram. Right? So just put that on the side. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, yani going, getting a haircut the day before Eid, if you have a sacrifice, very important, don't do it until your meat is sacrificed. Now the person who's done it overseas, that means that it's not the day of Eid usually. It's usually sometimes the second or the third day even. It could be the third day of Eid that your sacrifice, your sheep was cut. Or your cow was cut, or your camel was cut, right? So you have to be very careful of not cutting your hair and your nails before. Now for the sisters, because the brother, if you're married, then if you do one, then your sheep is equivalent for everyone in your family. In your, يعني, your wife, your children, they're all covered under it. Does she not have to cut her hair? Does she not have to cut her nails? She is allowed to cut her hair and her nails if it comes under that one sacrifice. However, if she does her own independent sacrifice, so now for instance, I'm doing two, right? I'm doing one for me and one for her specifically. Now she can't even cut her hair and cut her nails. But if I'm going to do one on behalf of myself and my family, I can't cut my hair, I can't cut my nails, but she can. Okay, everyone good? Now, the last point that I want to make just before we get into, actually what you guys came for, tafsir, but the last point that I want to make is that there is a sunnah that is another sunnah that is mahjura, another sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that is completely almost abandoned. You don't see it anymore. Is the takbir of the hijjah, the takbir of the hijjah. Now there are two types of takbir in the hijjah: takbir al-mutlaq and the takbir al-muqayyad. The takbir of the muqayyad is the one that you do on Eid and the one that happens, the one that you know about, right? But for the nine days of Dhul Hijjah, there is actually a takbir that you're supposed to do. The nine days, right? What we're in now, it is actually something that you are supposed to do as an individual basis. It's not supposed to be a communal thing like the Eid one that everyone's doing it together, one microphone, everyone's doing it behind it. But like this, this one here is specifically, subhanAllah, that you are to do it in every place at every time, even after your prayers. When you're walking in the shawari, when you're walking in the streets, the sahaba like Abdullah ibn uh, Zubair, right? I'm pretty sure Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, right? Uh, that Ibn Umar and Abu Hurairah radiallahu both of them would go around in the markets and they would recite the takbir in the first nine days and they would do it. And people would then be reciting behind them, they would remind them to make the takbir in the marketplaces. So like the literal example of this is walking through calls, Allahu Akbar. That would be the literal example of it. I'm not actually running a muck, I'm being serious. Especially in the area where there's Muslims around, recite the takbir. Why not? Why are you afraid? Why are you ashamed? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with saying the takbir? You're saying Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest. There is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, Allah is the greatest. And unto him is praise. What's wrong with that? What are you afraid of? And anyone who says it after you, because of you, you reminded them that. 
then you get the rewards of what they say. What's, what, what's better than that? This is a time of takbir, a time of glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the way up until the 13th. Keep going, right? It's not just now, all the way, the three days of Eid as well. So, takbir starts now. This is something that you should revive in your lives. Takbir. That's why when before we started, I was making takbir. Right? To kind of remind you guys. Time for takbir, boys. Right? Do it whenever you can. Whenever you remember. Whenever you have time. Make the takbir of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And <clears throat> this is something that is very important that whoever revives a sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will have the equivalent of the person who does it without taking anything away from his reward as collected by a tirmidhi Now, now we start with what you guys actually came for. Best 10 days of the year, and no one's talking about it. Wallah, it's sad. Wallahi, it's sad. The best 10 days of the year, better than Ramadan. And we're not... We have to do something. It has to show for something. It has to be a change. So go as hard as you can. Now, lesson 21. We start off with a quote of Imam At-Tabari, rahimahullah, who died in the year. 310 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he quoted Imam al-Mujahid rahimahullah Imam Mujahid rahimahullah who said four verses were revealed in surah al-Baqarah regarding the believers four verses in surah al-Baqarah were revealed regarding the believers two verses were revealed regarding the disbelievers this is all talking about in the beginning of surah al-Baqarah and then 13 verses were revealed regarding the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. 13 verses were revealed regarding the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. Now alhamdulillah we've taken the first two regarding the believe, the first four regarding the believers and the, the two regarding the disbelievers. Now we start with our reading of the verses of al-munafiqeen, the verses regarding the hypocrites. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, in verse number 8 of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولُ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ وَبِالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And of mankind, there are some who say, we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the last day, well, in fact, they believe not. Now, this verse, my brothers and sisters, is regarding the munafiqeen. And there's not really any differences of opinion regarding this issue. There is no real difference of opinion regarding this issue. To the point where Imam At-Tabari rahimahullah, he says that the scholars of tafsir are unanimously agreed that this verse was revealed in regards to a group of the hypocrites that this verse was revealed to a group of the hypocrites and that this quality is their quality this quality is the quality of the munafiqeen now there is some khilaf there is some khilaf on which of the munafiqeen this is talking about so ibn al-jawzi rahimahullah he mentions that there is khilaf between some of the sahaba if this was regarding just generally the munafiqeen or specifically the munafiqeen from Ahlul Kitab, from the people of the book. However, they're still munafiqeen. So at the end of the day, 
that doesn't really go against this qawl. Now from some of the quotes that have been mentioned, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, he says that it was revealed regarding the munafiqeen from Al-Aws wal-Khazraj. That was revealed regarding the munafiqeen from Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj and those who followed in their ways. Those who followed in their ways. Who were Al-Aws wal-Khazraj boys? Huh? It would have been closer. The two local tribes of Yathrib from the Arabs. From the Arabs, right? From the Arabs, not from the Jewish side, technically per se. So, we previously took that Shaykh al-Islam and Taymiyyah rahimahullah, he quoted from Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, who said that there were no hypocrites that emigrated from Al-Madinah. There were no hypocrites that immigrated to Al-Madinah. There were no hypocrites. There were no hypocrites from those who immigrated to Al-Madinah. From Mecca. From the Muhajireen. And then Imam Ahmad rahimahullah he says, and that hypocrisy was in the tribes of the Ansar, the residents of Al-Madinah. From Al-Madinah. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah who died in the year, 774, after the Hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says that in Mecca, it was the opposite. In Mecca, it was the opposite of Al-Madinah. He said that some would hold in public that they were from the Kuffar, whilst hiding that they were Muslim. Because SubhanAllah, what happened if you embraced Islam in Mecca? Your stakes were high, right? You lose your wealth, your family, you could even lose your life. Whereas in Al-Madinah, where now the Muslims are in a يعني, position of power, if they win a victory, you get some of the ghanima, you get some of the spoils of the war. If something happens, sadaqah happens, you need something, you, need, you, go, you go to the believers, you get your welfare, you get your stipend, you get whatever you need, inshallah. You go to one of the houses of the Muslims and you, you got يعني, a place to stay for three days. Three nights, khalas, like all of these things. You can go sleep in the masjid, no dramas, no questions asked. Ahlul Sufa, that's for you. So now there's a reason, there's a good chance of being a يعني, being part of the Muslims Because now they're in a point of control A point of power So subhanAllah He makes a very beautiful point here And Ibn Kathir Wallahi is a master of seerah And a master of tafsir Wallah يعني, He's unbelievable His insight in seerah يعني, Is so beautiful uh, And he actually makes a lot of points when, in, when you read tafsir Ibn Kathir He makes a lot of points and references of seerah in his actual tafsir and it goes through the background and asbab al-nuzul from the point of seerah but he says something specifically he says when did nifaq when did the munafiqeen when did they really become widespread when did they start really coming into uh, in, in a positions of going and spreading when was it was it at the moment of hijrah was it at the moment of hijrah like just Nabi Sallallahu comes right and then people either all become Muslim or all became Munafiqeen. Do you know what I mean? Like, did that happen? Or was there a specific thing that happened? So, some of the scholars that I was reading when they were mentioning this, they were hinting out to this point here that comes next. Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he says it very specifically. He says that Nifaq became widespread after the Battle of Badr. After the Battle of Badr. Why? This was the first show of an Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam solidifying his power. This is the first time he went up against the kuffar. 
A battle that will be remembered for all of time. A battle that now everyone will know. Now he's got an army and he's coming back. Now he just went against Mecca and he, he actually won. He ended up killing some of their best. Now if we don't go on that side, we're actually going to lose something. Now it's becoming dangerous. No, no, no. We thought that Quraysh were just going to wipe them clean. No, no, no. That didn't happen. Now it's better to join them than go against them. Because we're not strong enough to go against them. Subhanallah. So he says, after the battle of Badr, the great battle of Badr, يعني, the main battle of Badr, that is when this started to spread. Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah, he summarizes his tafsir of the verse, and he says that these people, uh, that these people, their apparent was that they were upon truth. Their apparent was that they were upon truth. But internally they opposed Islam. Internally, they opposed Islam. When they would meet the Prophet وسلم, and the people of Iman from his companions, ajma'een, they would say regarding themselves, we believe in Allah and his Prophet and the resurrection. This is what would happen. They would believe. They would say in front of everyone, we believe. Shadun la ilaha illallah, we're just, just going to join in with you. So, they would say this with their tongues, this statement of truth, just to ward off and push away from themselves the ruling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon those who held the beliefs of shirk, of polytheism. But when they would meet their brethren, Imam al-Tabari mentions, when they would meet their brethren, their brothers from the Jews and the people of the book, and those who disbelieved in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and what he was given, they say, we are with you. We are just of those who mock. Reciting of the verses that come after this. Now as for bilyawm al-akhir and the last day, what is mentioned by this is very important to understand. It translates as the last day. Okay, What is meant by this is resurrection itself. Resurrection itself Because they all believe in a last day That the last day they're going to be alive Is literally their last day So they all believe in that But what they don't believe in is Al-Ba'ath The actual resurrection Which is the day of judgment Now وَمَا هُمْ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Has negated upon them belief itself Has negated upon them belief itself even though they proclaimed, we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we believe in the last day. Now Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah, there are going to be two refutations now after this. Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah, he says this is a clear evidence against the claim of the Jahmiyyah. This is a clear evidence against the claim of the Jahmiyyah, that Iman is belief through that which is uttered on the tongue. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us, that they refer to themselves in this way, but he negates that they are considered from the believers. If their belief does not align with their statements. If their belief does not align with their statements. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, he says, who died in the year 671 after the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, seeing if he's awake, you know what I mean boys? 671 after the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now he says, this is a refutation upon the Karramiyyah. Huh? Karramiyyah? You wrote it down? Okay. Who hold the belief. Don't worry about the name. 
Listen to the, what their belief is. Listen to what their belief is. That Iman is only a statement of the tongue. Iman? You were already there? Yeah. You're listening. Are you writing? You write after Khalas. <laughs> Pretends he's writing. Look at it, it's all scribbles. Now, Iman, Iman is only the statement on the tongue, even if one does not hold it in his heart. People went this far, Allah. People went this far. It's only a statement of the tongue. Even if you don't hold that belief in your heart, doesn't matter, just say it. Just say it. Now, he then mentions their proofs, but then Imam Al-Qurtubi, he rejects their position, and he says that they failed to look at what was mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, that Iman is actions, statements, and creedal beliefs. That Iman is actions, statements, and creedal beliefs. You can't say you have Iman, and then you don't do any amal. You don't do anything. No worship whatsoever. But I'm a mu'min. I'm, I'm a wali of Allah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm up there. Me and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam are going to be neighbors in Firdaus. Right? Never has prayed a day in his life. Doesn't know how to make wudu. Right? So over here, this is something that is far-fetched. Now, the word nas is mentioned in this verse. Nas, wa minan nas, from some of the people. Right? Nas is mentioned, and it has been mentioned that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. It has been mentioned that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. He said, Nasiya Adam ahdallah fasumia insanan. Nasiya Adam ahdallah fasumia insanan. That Adam alayhi salam, he forgot the covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? He forgot the rule. Don't eat from the tree. He forgot the rule. And so humankind were then called the forgetful because of this one thing. Your father was forgetful, so you're all forgetful. He forgot one thing, khalas, insana. You guys are all forgetful. Now, there are other positions, other positions of why insan is used, and they have been mentioned in the books of tafsir, like for instance the closeness, uns, of a person to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That a person can be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Or that he wants to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Now, <clears throat> something that will be a, yani, a very natural question Is who are the munafiqeen? We talk here, munafiqeen, munafiqeen, munafiqeen Who are they? Now, the munafiqeen are those who show that which is not in one's heart Those who show that which is not in the heart. So, Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says that the munafiqeen are those who are apparently believers. The munafiqeen are those who are apparently believers, but inside of them is kufr. Inside of them is disbelief. Now, they have certain characteristics. The munafiqeen, they have certain characteristics. In Sahih al-Bukhari, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Sahih Muslim, it's muttafaq alayhi, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, min alamatil munafiqi thalathatun, from the characteristics of the hypocrites, are three. Now something that is important to note in this hadith, is that these are not the only characteristics of nifaq. They are not the only characteristics of hypocrisy. But rather, it is three of the main Character, uh, ca- ca- cater- characteristics. 
I said it three times before this, but don't, 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 don't try to do that. Now, <laughs> now, it is the three main characteristics of the munafiqeen, of the hypocrites. Now, something that is important that it's not the only characteristics. It's not the only ones. So, so just don't think that if someone has any three khalas, he's done. Or that if someone doesn't have these three, he doesn't have the characteristics of the munafiqeen. Very careful to be يعني, very specific with this. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, Even if he prays, even if he fasts, even if he claims to be a Muslim, if he has these three, he is a munafiq. Right? If he talks, he lies. If he talks, يعني, he's a liar. Whatever comes out of his mouth, gonskis. He's just a kazab. He's, he's just a liar. If he talks, he lies. And if he gives a promise, he breaks it. I'm coming. I'll be right there. Never to be seen. Monday, Monday. It's coming on Monday. I swear I'm going to come see you on Monday. All the tradies in the room. All the tradies in the room. I'll be there on Monday. Six weeks later, hey, you paid for a job. <laughs> very, very important. Someone's saying astaghfirullah really now, bro. <laughs> it's hitting him. <laughs> if he gives a promise, he breaks it. I'm the cheapest. <laughs> you won't find anything better. You're giving, a, you're giving your word. You're giving your word. But you're breaking it every time, every deal. <laughs> if he, when he, someone gives him a trust, when he's trusted, he betrays the trust. So, I'm going to keep this with you. I'm going to keep this with you. I'm going to be back in 10 minutes. We're back in 10 minutes I'm giving you a simple example Of course this can take many shapes and forms right? But khalas, he takes the bottle Sees that I leave Runs out with it Drinking on the way <laughs> He can't be trusted with anything Do this job Whenever you're, you're employed It's an amana You do this job Don't run amok in my house This is like he wants to see what the new Dyson can do. <laughs> when you're given a job, to do your job properly. Don't betray the trust. That's what your responsibility is, to do your job. It's a responsibility. You might be dealing with money of the company. Don't be distrustworthy. Don't be dishonest. Simple. Now, in another hadith that is also mutafaq alayhi Bukhari and Muslim, and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Arba'un man kunna fihi kana munafiqan khalisan. Four things, right? Four qualities. If they're in a person, then they are a complete munafiq. Complete munafiq. Now, subhanallah, he says, وَمَنْ كَانَتْ فِيهِ خَصْلَةٌ مِنْ هُنَّ كَانَتْ فِيهِ خَصْلَةٌ مِنَ النِّفَاقِ 
Then if someone has a characteristic, one of the qualities, then he has a quality of nifaq, of hypocrisy. Not that he's a munafiq like the first one. Right? So something that is important, and Nabi Sallallahu he says, Hatta yada'aha, until he leaves it. So something that is important is that if someone has a characteristic, characteristic of nifaq, then this doesn't make him automatically a munafiq. Someone lies one time. Someone lies just habitually. Say, alright, he continuously lies. You're not going to him and saying you're a munafiq. You can't do that. You can't do that. It doesn't make him munafiq. It, you can say he has a quality of nifaq. Right? He has a characteristic of nifaq. But you can't say that just because he has one of the qualities, you can't just blanket him and say that he is a hypocrite. And you know that what you mean is the ones that are in the hellfire. You know when you say it. That you are meaning that he's this bloke Dark al-Asfal He's in the lowest pit of Jahannam That's what you mean You don't mean that this person He's like from the characteristics of Nifaq right? You're trying to say he's actually a munafiq So be very very careful of, <coughs> of this issue Because at the end of the day You do not know what is in a person's heart You do not know what a, what's in a person's heart And you have to judge by that which is apparent You have to judge by that which is apparent yani what Cain, how did you come to know that he has kufr in his heart? He has disbelief in his heart. How do you know? And you're going around calling everyone munafiq. How do you know? Even if he, a person who lies, he's, dis, he's dishonest. I'm saying yes, that's a sin. He's a person who's dishonest. No worries, it's a sin. A person who can't be trusted with anything. It's a sin. But how do you know that inside him is what? Kufr, disbelief. Right? You don't know. So over here, be very, very careful, very, very careful with who you call a munafiq. And if someone wants to read more about this, then there is a book by Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, in English. You can actually get it. It's called The Characteristics of the Hypocrites. Um, it's not very big. It's a, like, maybe a hundred and some odd pages. Um, it's a red book. Very good book, published by Darus Sunnah. If someone wants to read that, يعني, it gives you more of the qualities of the munafiqeen. But over here, the main point of this is just because someone has a characteristic of the munafiqeen, of the hypocrites, does not make him a munafiq. Now, this is an introduction to the next 12 verses that are coming up after this. So, insha'Allah, we will continue next week with the further verses. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Wa jazakumullahu khayran. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah.